Hello and welcome to Learning From Legends with me, Peter Switzer. And this week, I'm playing you the interview I did with Chris Joy of Coolabar Capital. Chris is one of the best predictors of what the economy is doing. Uh, he runs a, a big bond fund management business, one of the biggest in Australia. Uh, his uh, forecasts in the past have been very accurate. Doesn't mean he's always right. But he's coming out with a call that the stock market could fall anywhere between 30 to 60%. The big question is when? And so I've caught up with Chris and have delved into his thinking. And this is our podcast for this week. So without any further ado, let's catch up with Chris Joy of Coolabar Capital. Well, joining me now is Chris Joy. And the subject today is, is Chris Joy catastrophizing our future or are people simply misinterpreting him? Chris, thanks for joining us. Hey, Peter. All right. Now, a lot of people read you, Chris, of course, and some people I think do misinterpret you, but I want to get to the, the heart of the matter. There's a lot of controversial things going on. We saw the stock market sell off. It has rebounded. There's big calls out there on interest rates and interest rates is your beat. You know a lot about interest rates. So let's start off there. What do you think is going to happen to the Fed this year and the number of interest rate rises you're expecting? It yeah, made since last year, um, so since late last year, we have thought the Fed would raise five, six or seven times this year. The market was pricing three and we thought the market was complacent and <clears throat> we thought the re-rating of uh, expectations for rates, Peter, would trigger a 5 to 15% correction in stocks in the short term. And <clears throat> that's more or less what we've seen uh, uh, to begin this year. You know, they've pulled back, uh, I think at one point, uh, the S&P 500 was down north of 10%. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, the, the NASDAQ much worse. Uh, they've come back and then given back those gains uh, somewhat overnight. So I think the first key point is you've got um, <clears throat> the highest wage growth, the highest core inflation, and the highest uh, consumer inflation expectations since <clears throat> really the uh, early 90s. And that demands a normalisation of rates. So that's probably why we've been negative on both equities and also <clears throat> crypto. Uh, when we called out crypto in December, Bitcoin was at 52,000 US dollars. Um, it's since traded down to 33K, but we've also been negative on our market uh, on credit spread. Right, okay, so th that was what you called I'm more interested in what you think is going to happen between now and, say, the end of the year. Now, I've, I've been predicting volatility uh, for a variety of reasons, not categorically because of the number of interest rate rises you're talking about. I just thought that the markets were certainly uh, overpriced, um, particularly tech stocks. And I, I can see tech stocks were going to cop it uh, as interest rates were going to rise. I didn't know how, how many they would rise by. But I still have the, the belief that our market will go up by at least 10% this year after a, 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 a period of time where volatility prevails. So, Chris, tell me what you're expecting, uh, first of all, 
for interest rates from here on in to the end of the year? And then what do you think would be the implications for stocks? Yeah, so I think the RBA will lift two to three times. We've thought since last year that the RBA would uh, start raising rates late this year or early next year. And the <clears throat> brisk inflation data really does suggest coupled with the employment data that we'll see the first hikes this year. Um, as I said, we're expecting six or seven hikes from the Fed. Um, we do think <clears throat> US equities probably need to adjust down by 30 to 60%. So if I look at a, um, a Schiller PE ratio, so this is a cyclically adjusted PE, Right now, the US equity market uh, <clears throat> prices are trading at 37 times earnings. The only time we've seen that level of valuation uh, was in 2000, just before the tech wreck. And then US equities fell <clears throat> 50%. Now, the average PE uh, has been around 17 times, and the median's been 16 times. So we think uh, stocks have really rallied about 30% uh, above the pre-pandemic peak on the back of cheap money. And as that cheap money becomes <clears throat> much more expensive, we think asset prices will adjust down. So whether that happens this year or next or the year after, uh, that's an open question. What we saw... Uh, last time the Fed hiked rates was um, they started in earnest <clears throat> in 2016 and stocks actually rose in 16, 17 and through part of 18. Right. So it's not inconceivable you know, the rally could continue, but my fear for equities is that the Fed's hawkish <clears throat> and they have an inflation crisis. Um, all the alarm bells on almost every single economic measure are ringing loudly. Core inflation, wages, uh, unemployment at 3.9%, for example, and core inflation's around five, uh, <clears throat> wages are around five, consumer expectations are between <clears throat> six and four for one and three year future horizons. And this is a bit of a nightmare for the Fed and indeed for all central banks. And the other thing that's worrying is it doesn't appear to be global. It, this is a secular inflation um, uh, increase. And it also seems to be driven by both supply and demand. So very tight labor markets are creating <clears throat> a lot of wage inflation. And that's fueling back or sorry, feeding back into uh, what looks like a, uh, or at least the beginnings of a positive wage price spiral. Mm -hmm. So um, I do disagree strongly with the idea that equity should rally 10%, Peter. But I will emphasize here <clears throat> that um, I'm not sure about the time horizon. My, my sense is over the next couple of years, we'll start to see a very big correction. Um, but I'm not certain. On house prices, 
I have a strong. Anyway, the, the whole house project for a minute, because it's a, a separate section, and you and this is an area where you have good expertise. My, my view has always been this, Chris, that the central banks have to be very careful about raising interest rates too quickly for the reasons you pointed out. The, the impact of a 30 or 60% correction in the stock market is not going to do anything for economic growth. And we all know the fiscal settings of the of governments right around the world are such that they really need growth to, to pay for the, the kind of deficit spending they've been involved in. So I'm hoping where you get it wrong is that the Fed, though being hawkish, still might only do three or four interest rate rises this year, hoping that Omicron fades out and therefore the cost pressures in that inflation story talked about start to dissipate. Now, if that happens, I'm a chance for being, being right and your interest rate rises will more or less happen more in 2023 than 2022. And I've got to say, I've always been a bit worried about the stock market 2023 rolling into 2024. So I guess that's going to be the big watch. How aggressive is the Fed? If the Fed ends up being less aggressive than you think, then we should be less worried about a big stock sell-off. Is that a fair call? Yeah, listen, I think your hypothesis was probably uh, the Fed's view in December. Uh, it's perfectly reasonable and it may come to pass. So you, you could well prove correct. I think the problem um, is I fear that <clears throat> the Fed thinks the neutral or normal cash rate is 2.5% and they're at zero. Yeah. And given 5% core inflation, 5% wages growth, and 3 point something percent unemployment, they shouldn't be at two and a half right now. <clears throat> they should probably be at three. So they want to get there as quick as they can. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of with you, though, that I'm not convinced the normal cash rate is two and a half. I think because of the level of debt, it could be a fair bit lower. Uh, here in Australia, the RBA says the neutral cash rate, amazingly, is three and a half to 4%. Now, that would mean mortgage rates around six. So <clears throat> from two currently. Uh, I think the risk, the real risk with the Fed is that the inflation is persistent, the wage pressures feed back into that inflation this year and next, and the Fed keeps on hiking until they do see a big correction in the, uh, the equity market that may well stop them in their tracks. Yeah. The risk is um, that we get sustained inflation. And actually, the only answer <clears throat> is a recession in the US. And so another way of sort of saying what I'm saying is the Fed's trying to normalize rates, but they'd also say that they're trying to normalize the cost of debt and the cost of equity. <clears throat> so they actually have equities in their um, financial conditions index. <clears throat> and so for life to go back to normal, they actually need to see uh, adjustments upwards in rates, and I think downwards in equities. Mm. Yeah, I, I totally see it, but I just think, I, I hate saying this, Chris, because we, we've laughed at people in the past who've said this, 
this time it's different. But really, this time it is. You and I have never seen interest rates so low. The fact that you're actually even arguing that the normal cash rate may well be a lot lower than we historically would expect it to be, all it tells us that this time is different. And therefore, using history as a guide may well not be as reliable as what might be needed with all the multiple objectives that the Fed must have. And one thing I know for sure, no central bank in the world and no government in the world really wants to contemplate a recession either in 2022 or 2023. They might live with it in 2024, but they don't want it over the next two years. Fair call? Yeah, um, I think they definitely want to avoid a recession. And this is where the circularity you're talking about um, comes back, but or, or it's, I think that circularity is very important, or the um, <clears throat> so-called endogeneity. I think the reason this time is different is not because of the level of rates, although that's important. It's because we haven't seen inflation like this mm -hmm. since the 80s or early 90s. And in the past, when stocks fell 30%, <clears throat> the Fed would cut and they'd do money printing and they buy everything. But they could only do that because there was no inflation problem. So that's what happened in 2018, or particularly in 2019. And they raised rates, equities fell, then they cut. And yeah, my fear is, mate, that that freedom, that optionality to just pour money on all our problems is dissipating. And unfortunately, we may have to have, we may have to, adjust to structurally higher rates. So, you know, a cash rate north of 2% in the US, which I think will be a shock to the system. <clears throat> so I, I personally think, you know, they'll, they'll move pretty quickly to two and a half because that's where they got to in 2018. And Powell was governor or chair in uh, 2018 and he oversaw those hikes. But I'm not sure neutral is two and a half. I think neutral could be you know, more like one and a half. Mm. But let's see. Ultimately, it's the empirical question. I think the, the difficult thing for investors is <clears throat> I don't think this Fed this time around will be de as deterred by stock market turbulence and movements in bond and credit markets as it was in the past. Because this time is different because we obviously have this inflation shock to contend with. We also have very low levels of unemployment. Chris, let's go to housing. We haven't much time left, but you've got a view on housing. House prices, are they going to rise this year, fall in 2023, or are they going to rise for both years? Yeah, buddy. So we've been, you know, unfailingly um, <clears throat> or extremely consistent on house prices. So, you know, we, we called the boom between... Um, uh, mid-19 and March 2020, we called that very modest correction. We called the uh, subsequent rebound in September 20, expecting 20% capital gains from September onwards. We then, a few months later, because mortgage rates fell further than they were at that point, um, we revised it up to 20 to 30% worth of capital gains post-September 20. And um, we've certainly seen that. <clears throat> you know, we've seen almost, uh, you know, I think 26% capital growth since uh, September 20. And that's all been driven by <clears throat> purchasing power. It's been driven by cheap money. So 
late last year, we said, uh, in October last year, so October 21, we said we thought prices would rise another five to 10%. Since that time, they've risen about 3.4%. But we did say, unfortunately, <clears throat> that after the first 100 basis points of mortgage rate increases, that uh, an RBA cash rate increases, that national prices would pull back 15 to 25%. I don't think it'll be a disaster. <clears throat> I do think it'll be orderly. Um, and it's just about the normalization of rates and therefore purchasing power. The RBA cash rate mate in May 2019 was 1.5%. Today it's zero or 0 0.1. So since <clears throat> May 2019, house prices nationally have risen 35%. And all we're saying is, as rates rise back to those levels, we think some, not all, of that price appreciation will be paid back. So I've been accused, wait, wait, just, just let me make one point. I've been accused of being a preternatural housing bull, you know, in the March 2020 period when everyone said, I was mad to think prices would only fall zero to five percent and then rise by 20 percent obviously that's what happened and now people are kind of describing describing me as a perma bear but really we're just trying to divine our destiny and we're trying to bring our horsepower to bear on the problem of what will unfold and that uh set of forecasts <clears throat> will obviously vary over time mate Okay, it's a, it's a fair call. And um, primarily you've been accurate. You're, you're even accurate on your calls on the, the spread of the coronavirus or when it would peak. So um, thanks for joining us, mate. And we'll catch up to you, with you in the not too distant future. Thanks, Peter, I really appreciate it. Cheers, mate. That's Chris Joy from Cool Bar Capital. And that was Chris Joy, the founder of Cooler Bar Capital. And if you want to see the television interview and the reaction from expert fund managers and other people who play the market to Chris's big call, you can go to youtube.com slash switzermedia. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you next week. Quentin time! Quentin time! <laughs>